Welcome to the Non-Religious Spirituality Podcast with Jim Palmer. Explore the universal significance of spirituality beyond traditional religious dogma and doctrines. Jim is a founder of the Center for Non-Religious Spirituality, where you can find community, resources, online courses, and more. Go to www.nonreligiousspirituality.com to learn more. Welcome, everyone, to the Non-Religious Spirituality Podcast. I'm Jim Palmer. I'm your host. I had to pull out my winter weather running gear because fall temperatures finally made it into the Music City, dropped down into the low 40s, which means I open up my windows to let that cool air in. Okay, the fun fact of the day is the universe exists only as an experience. So after I left religion, one branch of knowledge that I investigated was philosophy. And I discovered that philosophy allowed me to think through the existential questions about life outside the framework of religion. How did I get here? What is the meaning of life? Is there a God? What happens when you die? All these existential questions were looming once I deconstructed away all my Christian theology and philosophy was one way that I was able to work through this for myself. And in the process of investigating philosophy, I discovered something called ontology and metaphysics. And these two areas of inquiry are very similar. So, for example, with ontology, ontology investigates the nature of being. In other words, ontology asks the question, what does it mean for something to exist? Like I know I exist, you know you exist, we know that there is existence, but what does it all mean? Like when I say I exist, what am I actually saying? And then closely associated is metaphysics, and metaphysics is an investigation into the fundamental nature of reality. So if you could drill down to the core You look out at the world, you know there's a universe, there's planets and moons and stars and nature and people and experiences and like, but if you could drill down to the core of it, metaphysics asks the question, what is the fundamental nature of all that? Like when you get down to the foundation, what is this reality that we're experiencing in those are a couple aspects of philosophy. Now, the fun fact of the day is is that the universe exists only as an experience, which is different from a world, a view of the world as existing in things. For example, Plato and Aristotle held this view of the world They said that the world exists as what they called enduring substances. You know, that the world is a thing with many things in it. 
And that was the Platonian view of the nature of reality. There are things, there are substances, and the universe is sort of this space that holds all these things. Now, that's one of two dominant schools of thought about the nature of reality, but there's another one that's called process philosophy. Let's break that down. First, philosophy. Philosophy, well, what is it? Well, we've been talking about it. Philosophy is sort of the study or the inquiry into the fundamental nature of reality. And if you take the word process, like what is a process? A process is a dynamic series of actions. So if you put those words together, process philosophy, what that is, it's an understanding of the fundamental nature of reality as a process or as processes. Now, if you went right now and you Googled process philosophy, you'd probably find the name Alfred North Whitehead, who died in 1947, but he's often thought of as sort of the father of this ontological understanding of existence. But he's not the first one who's thought of this. For example, Greek philosopher Heraclitus said this, The basic nature of all things is change. And even in the East, Buddhism, for example, has a concept that's referred to as dependent arising, which means that the universe appears in each moment as the sum total of all the processes occurring and it uniquely manifests and we experience it in any given moment. And that that's what the universe is. The universe is not a thing with a bunch of things. Process philosophy says that the universe is, its fundamental reality is a process a dependent arising. It's everything all at once interdependently interacting in a process with everything else. And when you wake up in the morning or the very next moment in this podcast, you're actually experiencing the universe. The universe is your experience of all of the sum total of all things emerging uniquely in that moment. Now you could ask, well, why do I care about this? Well, one of the interesting things about this is realizing that you're not another thing in the universe, but you actually are the universe experiencing itself. You are part of the process of what the universe is in every single moment. You are. Your choices, your mindsets, your actions, your decisions, your needs, your desires, your thoughts, your contributions, your way of life, who you're being in the world is part of bringing forth the fundamental nature of reality. Speaking of Alfred North Whitehead, here's how he said it. He said, The foundation of reverence is this perception that the present holds within itself 
the complete sum of existence backwards and forwards that whole amplitude of time which is eternity. And there you go. That's the fun fact of today. The universe exists only as an experience. Okay, for over 20 years, I've been counseling people the process of leaving religion. And this is sometimes referred to as deconstruction and reconstruction. Now, let's kind of demystify some of these terms. Basically, deconstruction is a method of analysis that emphasizes the, the internal workings of something. So let's say one day you look at your watch and you were struck by how it works. Like, how exactly does it track time? What are the parts and the processes by which this happens that when I look at my watch at any given moment, I can count on it to do its thing, to give me the proper time. So let's say you got curious about that one day. Well, here's what you could do. You could deconstruct a watch. I mean, you could take it apart and investigate it and figure it out, lay it all out to understand how it works. And that would be deconstruction. Or let's say one day you were suddenly intrigued by the use and utter, utter necessity of language, you know, like words. Like where did words come from? Who created them? How do they get their meaning? Who decides exactly? Like what is really the foundation of it all? There's 172,000 words in the English language. And so Let's say you get curious about this. Well, you could deconstruct language. You could dig into it to see what are the inner workings. How does language work? You could apply yourself to the study of linguistics. I've done this myself. In fact, I would say that the field of linguistics has been instrumental in my own personal evolution and spiritual journey. Or let's say someone you love is diagnosed with cancer and you decide you just don't want to take a passive role and limit your knowledge of the disease to whatever the oncologist has time to tell you. So you decide to deconstruct the kind of cancer your loved one has. I mean, like to really understand it, to distill the vast information about it into some kind of cohesive framework that describes how this cancer operates within a person, its potential vulnerabilities. Why you could do that. You could deconstruct cancer. You could deconstruct anything. I mean, like you could take anything that you're curious about and probe into the inner workings of it so that you understand what's going on. Right? The whole field of psychology is a process of deconstructing what appears on the surface of our lives in anger and greed and hurt and probe into the mind to probe into our inner self, our interior selves to understand what's going on. Okay, so let's say you were deeply and negatively impacted, traumatized, damaged and wounded or severely impaired by toxic religion. 
and you're wanting to disentangle yourself from the tentacles of toxic religion. You want to heal and recover from it. You want to liberate yourself from all the ways it damaged your life. Okay, well, so what do you do? Well, one thing you do is deconstruction. What I mean is, is you do an analysis of the damage that's done. Okay, why even do this? Because despite the wishful thinking of the quote, time heals all wounds, it's just not true. You have to do the personal work, right? You, we have to do that searching and fearless inventory of ourselves. So, for example, one of the critical steps in the process of healing and recovering is making peace with your religious past. Well, what is that? Well, it's a conscious decision to do your personal work to process and heal from the damage experienced through your ties to toxic religion. I mean, it's owning, acknowledging, and expressing the volatility of emotions that are a natural part of what a person feels as a result of being wounded by religion. Making peace with your religious past is reflecting on the dynamics of your journey and experiences with religion to find the lessons that you can learn from. It's letting go of anger and bitterness and resentments and coming to a place of healthy acceptance of your religious past and compassion for those who are part of the system and still are. So if you're going to process your religious past, there are a few areas that would be important for you to investigate. For example, one of them would be identifying what your religious past cost you. This part of your self-reflection involves specifically finding out what your religious past cost you, how it harmed you. So some questions you could ask would be like, how do I feel the religion most negatively impacted my life? In what ways did religion damage me spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically? How did it impact my psychological health? Another question you could ask is, what deep wounds did religion leave behind in me? It's exploring what you feel your involvement in religion stole from you, took away from you. It involves exploring what you most grieve having missed or lost as a result of the time and energy and years you were involved in toxic religion. And part of that process, that personal inventory, part of this is going to be to naturally feel the hurt and sadness and disillusionment and anger and betrayal associated with your ties to toxic religion. Another aspect would be naming destructive messages that you have internalized. It's naming the damaging fear-based and shame-based messages you absorbed through your involvement in toxic religion. It's important that you identify these messages as succinctly and accurately as you felt, experienced, and internalized them. 
So, you know, some examples may be the message, I am not good enough. I can't trust myself. I am bad. It's not okay to be me. So these are just a few, just a very few aspects involved in the process of deconstructing toxic religion to dig down into the inner workings of what happened so you can free and liberate yourself from the damage that's been done. Now, when I left religion, I had to kind of figure this out for myself. Religious deconstruction and reconstruction wasn't even on the radar. Religious trauma syndrome wasn't even a thing. But once I discovered from my own experience and the countless people who started contacting me after I wrote my first book, I started doing research. You might say, okay, like what research are we talking about? The other day I figured out and estimated the amount of hours I've worked with people in their religious deconstruction and reconstruction since 2003 and I came up with that I have done this work with people for over 40,000 hours. And over the course of those 40,000 hours, I've learned things. And I started documenting those things in the notes, records, and files that I kept. And over time, I started seeing these commonalities and patterns. I saw the mental and emotional factors involved in religious trauma. There was knowledge that could be organized, symptoms and solutions to religious trauma, steps and tools that could be used, a process that could be worked, and so on. And about 20,000 hours into it, I realized... I'm going to have to train other people to do this work. Like, we need more people who can do this. I got on a plane and I traveled the country back in those early years talking to professional counseling associations about religious trauma. Because at the time, counselors and therapists did not view their work with their clients and patients, that it should be including discussions about God and religion. So I started this conversation. I went to the mountaintops and shouted that this has to be addressed. So eventually I founded the Center for Non-Religious Spirituality and I started training people for this. In fact, I'll be starting a new cohort, a cohort group for training and certifying men and women to support and guide people through this kind of deconstruction and reconstruction process. Now, I've talked about deconstruction, but just real quickly, what, am I, what I mean by reconstruction is cultivating a post-religion spirituality, a more authentic, meaningful, and liberating spirituality. So this is largely a focus of the work that I continue to do in my life and my endeavors is training other people with the knowledge, the expertise, the skills and tools and certification to address religious trauma syndrome and to guide people 
through the process of disentangling themselves from toxic religion and being free. I'll put some links in the notes about this work if you have an interest in knowing more about it. All right, friends and neighbors, that's it for this podcast and non-religious spirituality. I'll be back here in a couple days with another podcast of some recent questions that I've received about people who have left religion behind. All right, that's it for now. Enjoy your day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit nonreligiousspirituality.com to find community, resources, and more.